0: you guys pray with me this morning father it is our great joy to come into this place and to make much of jesus it's only by his mercy and grace that we are able to do such a thing we could sing such rich songs that are both beautiful and true Father, we gather many of us in light of these two wonders that we are both worthless and yet you have made us worthy. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. It was your joy to give us joy. So in that pleasure... We gather here this morning to celebrate you, to bring glory to you, and to receive more joy as we make much of Jesus, as we sing his words, as we pray them, as we preach them, as we remind them and rehearse them in each other's ears. Father, we pray that your church will be strengthened, and we pray that you would be glorified as a result of what takes place here this morning. Father, we're able to gather here, we're able to do these things because of what Jesus has done for us. We're able to enter into your presence because of his mercy that he shed on the cross through his blood. Father, it's not because of anything that we've done. Father, we know that in our own sinfulness we could not approach you. Father, even our own sinfulness that all of us, any of us, have partook in this week. Father, where we have been attracted to other gods. Father, where we have tried to be satisfied in other things. We've made idols in our own lives. Father, we pray that you would forgive us of that. Father, when we see Jesus again this morning in such a way that we would recognize and remember that we'll never be satisfied by anything that the world has to offer us. Father, we'll never be saved by anything we can find meaningful here in this life, aside from Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we ask your forgiveness for strain. We ask your, your mercy for for, for 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 sinning against you and making idols elsewhere. And Father, we pray that in that forgiveness you would cleanse us of all of our sin and our unrighteousness. And that we would again walk as your people, collectively and individually, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, would we remember that as we enter into this new year? Would we be a people that does not live out of what we want to be, but would we live out of this idea that you have called us into your marvelous light, that you have made us new creatures? We're not trying to become new creatures, but Father, you've made us that. Would we live this year in light of that? Father, would we gather as a church knowing that we're not doing this to gain, but we're doing this because you have already done this work. Father, as we approach our reading plans, as we reach out to You in prayer, Father, as we gather our monies in 2022 to send it both to our neighbors and to the nations for, so that Jesus' gospel could be lifted high and those in darkness could see a great light. Father, would we do this not because of what we want to be but because of who You said we are? Would You make us even more faithful faithful as our Savior, Jesus Christ, and this year as we move forward. Father, as we turn to your word now, we pray that you would lighten our eyes. Father, we pray that that, the person that is humbled and low, discouraged and weak, Father, that by the power of your word and the power of your spirit working together, would you quicken them, would you raise them up? Would those who limped in here dance out? Father, for those who are elevated in pride, arrogance, walking in darkness, as all of us were at one point, Father, would you humble them, would you bring them low by your word, but gently as they see Christ raised up. Father, this is our prayer as a church as we move into this new year. This is our prayer over our, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters that gather around the world. We ask these things on their behalf. We ask it in the name of Jesus, the one who died, so that we may be raised. Father, we do these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. As you have a seat, I want to invite Hubtown Kids, if there's any that are willing and desirous, would you head to my left, your right, so that you can head to Hubtown Kids. There, Miss Wendy will be teaching you a lesson this morning. I'm sure that you'll be encouraged as you learn more about our great God that we serve that we've prayed to just now, whose word we read and turn our attention to at this moment. As you do turn in your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, or sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and as you do turn there, I just want to say it's... Great to have each of you here this morning. It's great to be here. I was not able to gather with uh, this body, with my church. Last week, uh, my, me and my family, we celebrated Christmas um, up in the mountains. We were hoping for snow. We didn't get any. Um, and then I thought, you know what? I'd rather be here with you guys on that Sunday morning than trying to watch online it was difficult to to really be a part of that but it's so good to be here this morning as I walked down the hallway I could hear uh just people's voices e- echoing in this chamber and it was so great to hear that and uh, and then I thought as we were singing there surely there's not a, a church in Hagerstown that sings prettier than us uh and while that may or may not be true I know there's not a church in Hagerstown that preaches or sings a more true gospel than us and so uh, we may not be able to rally around our own voices but we can the word of God and so let's do that now 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 Before we get into our text this morning, really as a way to segue into this passage, I want to ask you: Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Think about that just for a moment. Let me ask you another another question related: Why does Hagerstown Church do what it does? Not just for the last three years, but over the last almost 150 years, this church has been a church that has reached out to its neighbors with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've planted churches; many of the churches here in Hagerstown were planted in an amicable way out of this body right here over the last 150 years. Many pastors have been sent out of this place to serve both and amongst our neighbors and amongst the nations. Thousands of pounds of turkeys have been given out, and and as a way to, to meet the needs of those around us, and also to share the love of Christ. Thousands of dollars have been raised, both for issues like Haitian Bible colleges that we hope to be established in 2022, as well as foreign missionaries supported around the world. This has been going on for a long time, and the question that I want you to ask yourself is: Why do we do these things? Of course, the easy answer would be because that's just what Christians do. That's that's the right thing to do. It's what churches have always done. And maybe you would even get really biblical with me and you'd say, which I hope that you would. But you might even say, well, because Jesus told us to do those things. All the things that you just listed are, are forms of fulfilling the Great Commission, where Jesus said to his disciples, By which, of which we are, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20, 18, 19, and 20. He commands his disciples there with what we call the Great Commission. And he said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, the ones around you and the ones at the ends of the earth. He says, Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is what you and I are doing. This is hopefully what you and I are, are, are pouring our lives out for collectively as a church, individually as Christ followers. And again, as I said a moment ago, it's what Christians have been doing since Jesus gave this command, right? The disciples immediately began vacation Bible school or something like that. They probably didn't gather up a whole bunch of turkey. I know they didn't gather up bacon. But at any, way, at any rate, that's what we've been doing as Christ followers, In fact, you and I are a direct result of that command being given to the disciples and them consequently obeying that command that Jesus gave them. But you see, this passage reminds us of what we are to be doing, but it doesn't actually tell us who we are. It tells us about what we should be doing, what Jesus wants us to do, but it doesn't clearly tell us who we are. If I were to ask you this morning about your identity Who are you? Or maybe, who are we as a church? Some of you might begin by, you might be tempted by saying, well, we're a church that preaches the gospel. We're a church that that helps people find and follow Jesus. If I were to ask you, well, who are you? You might say, well, I'm I'm a salesman. I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher. I'm a prison guard. Maybe these are some of the things that you would say. And you're not wrong, that is in a sense who you are, but that's not really the way that we answer the question as a church or as a Christian. You see, what we do does not define our identity, but our identity does drive what we do. So we enter into 2022 as a church and we're asking, who are we? What are our values? Don't begin by saying, this is what we do. You need to begin by saying, this is who we are. Because what we do does not define our identity. Our identity does, though, drive what we do. You've turned in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read verses 11 through 21. Lord willing, they'll be on the screen for you. If you don't have a copy, you can, you can look there. Also, if you don't have a copy on uh, this back table at the back, there's a couple copies of, of the Bible there. You can take one of those, or if you find one in your seat, you're welcome to grab that as well. That'd be our gift to you. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. Here, the Apostle Paul is helping us to understand uh, a little bit more about our identity. He gives us this fantastic reminder of, of who we are as well as an explanation of what we've been called to do. And we see how those two things are connected in chapter 5, verses twenty, or uh, sorry, 11 to 21. So here's what the Word of God says. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others... But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who who boast about outward appearance, and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that the one has died for all. in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. Would you pray with me now as we truly, collectively ask God to bless the reading of His Word in our ears? Father, You alone are worthy of our praise this morning, and together as Hagerstown Church, we bless Your name. We ask that You would be pleased, we would be reminded, of the truths of this text, Father, that we are Your Church first reconciled to you through Christ and then we've been sent out as ambassadors of Christ and his gospel on your behalf. Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us with this truth? Would we receive a a fresh reminder this morning that God, all who would call upon your name, the name of Christ, would be saved? We ask all these things, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning or if you're just trying to understand the trajectory of where we're going to be going in this sermon this morning, write this down. Christians have been reconciled through Christ and are now also ambassadors for Christ. This is the text. This is the idea. This is the main point. Christians have been reconciled through Christ and now we are ambassadors for Christ. I really want to just break down that statement into two parts. The first one would be reconciled through Christ. Let's look at the passage again this morning. I want to point out first that Christians have been reconciled through Christ. So the first in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says this, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Jesus has made a way for his church, to be reconciled back to God. I love that word reconcile. It's really an interesting word. It's used five times in this passage. This word reconciled. And the verb means to unite again. To bring back into harmony and it, it follows that if someone needs to be reconciled, a wrong has been done, a division, a, a separation between the two parties exists. And really it's, it's kind of weird because in English it doesn't imply that a necessary change in the character or actions of either party has to take place. It really could just mean that, that, that no parties will acknowledge fault, but they're going to reconcile. They'll choose to, to simply tolerate each other or to overlook each other's uh, problems or, or issues. But that's not what's meant here. When, the, when Paul uses the term reconciliation or reconcile, he's using the Greek word catalasso. And it's a bit different. It's used to show the the reconciliation which takes place between God and man. And in this case, the reason for the estrangement is is clearly man's sin, man's disobedience. His fall in sin through Adam, and in order to to be restored back to God, man has to acknowledge his sin and believe that through Christ's death, he can actually be restored in that relationship to God. The way this verb is is made up, it's a compound word. The two parts mean to completely change, right? To completely change. Jesus described a complete change when he was speaking in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus. He said to him there that night, you must be born again. You must become a new creature. As Paul says here in chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, But who is he speaking of? Who who is a new creature? Who Who is a new creation? Who has been reconciled? Well, those who are in Christ, as verse 17 points out. The phrase in Christ, it's a term that speaks of the relationship between Christ and the believer. that The believer is in Christ. This morning, As I speak generally to the church who has gathered here together, I don't want to confuse or mislead. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're totally welcome here. We are so glad that you're here. But when we speak of you being in Christ, we're not speaking of the unbeliever. We're simply speaking, Paul is simply speaking of those who have placed their faith in Jesus. Those who have looked to Jesus for salvation. Those who have turned from their sin by the power of the regeneration worked in them by the Spirit of God called out in humility to Him. It's not a universal statement of the entire world. Those who are in Christ. There are some that are in Christ here this morning, and there are others who are not in Christ. You say, well, what does it actually mean to be in Christ? Well, it's a complicated idea. The simplest way to understand it would be that you can't, in your own power, with your own wings, or lack thereof, fly to the moon. But... You could launch out into the atmosphere through a, an Apollo spacecraft. and You could use a lunar module then to land on the moon. And if you're in that lunar module as it lands on the moon, you would be in the lunar module on the moon. In a similar way, you cannot get to salvation. You can't be reconciled to God on your own. But Christ, who lived a perfect life in my stead and in your stead... He has lived a perfect life and we by faith can enter into him and when he lands reconciled with God, we too are reconciled as well. And so there are so those who are in Christ and those who are not. And They've been reconciled. It's not ignoring one's faults as the English sense allows. It's not just learning to deal with one another, but we truly have been made right. We've been completely changed been reconciled, united again with God, and how? Through the work of Jesus on the cross. Friends, this is the only way. Only by this kind of conversion can you once again be made acceptable to God. I also want you to notice the use of reconcile is unique here, and that only one party needs to be adjusted. Only one party needs to do a little bit of work here, or a lot of work. You know, often parents will will look at their children and they'll, you know, the the ones that have been involved in the scuffle and they'll call them to amend their actions. Billy, you need to be more patient. Susie, you need to stop biting, right? Both parties, they have to to change in order to be reconciled, but that's not what's happening here. You see, God needs not to adjust his, his position or his actions. We are the ones who need our attitudes, our actions adjusted, and that's what's so incredible about this situation. He needs not to be adjusted, we do, but we're unable and he is and he has done the work for us. He has made reconciliation possible through the blood of Jesus Christ, his eternal son. So he's the one who affects the reconciliation though we are the offending party and I want you to stop and think about that for a moment. If you're a Christian you probably hear that all the time. Maybe even if you're not a Christian, you've heard this message of Jesus and the cross. And maybe you've, maybe you've just you've grown accustomed to it. But I really want you to stop and think about that for a moment. That the creator of heaven and earth, the one who sustains you even right now, that he would make a way by his own accord for his enemy, enemies to be reconciled to himself. The Bible says that while we were beasts towards Him, while we were enemies of Him, He made a way for us to be brought back in. He would pay our debt out of His own pocket. That amazing truth is spoken of in Romans chapter five, verse eight. The Scripture says, "But God showed His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us." God shows or demonstrated His love for us in that while we were still His enemies. Christ submitted himself to die on our behalf. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, all this is from God. It was all his idea. He initiated it. It's all his doing. We weren't even asking for reconciliation, and we obviously don't deserve it, but God. That's a fantastic thought if you're wondering, well, what is this called? It's called the gospel. What we did deserve, Jesus received. What we don't deserve, Jesus afforded for us. And he has reconciled us through him to God. So if you say, what is our identity? Who are we? We as a church, it's in the name, we are no longer at odds with God Almighty, but we have peace with God. We are his sons and daughters, and that, my friends, is huge. That's incredible. And so we ask this when I ask the question, "Who are you?" Remember that what you do does not define you, but your identity does or should drive what you do. We as a church this morning, we need to see our identity clearly, as, especially as we, two sp- formerly, previously separate churches now combined into one, asking ourselves in this new year, who are we? We say this, we are a people who have been reconciled to God. That's who we are. We've been reconciled to God. We're at peace with Him. But what we do, or, or you might say, what does drive what we do well this truth that God has made us at one with Christ and therefore we have been reconciled through Christ and now because of that what we do is we are ambassadors for Christ that's the second big point that's the second big portion of our statement or our idea this morning because we have been reconciled through Christ we are now ambassadors for Christ in verse 20 we read therefore We are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of of, of Christ, be reconciled to God. You guys know the drill. We're supposed to ask when we see a therefore what it's there for, right? And so we, what is that therefore pointing back to? Well, it's pointing back to all that we just looked at. Paul is saying because you're in Christ, because you're a new creature. You have been reconciled to God and now you are an ambassador, a representative, a messenger for Christ. I'm kind of taking this text at a high level here, really just looking closely at a few words within that text and I think another one, one of those words that we should look at closely is the word ambassador. The word ambassador, it's really interesting. It means one who, per, who functions as a representative of a ruling authority and in the olden days, Kings and rulers, they spoke to other nations through an official representative who would relay information. They would seek treaties and favors and things like that. And so for Paul to call us ambassadors, he could hardly pay the Christian a higher compliment than to say that we or you are an ambassador of Christ. And so it's not an odd word for us today, but it is a significant one. So there are several aspects or implications that flow out of this word ambassador. And I want us to take a look at them. The first one is this. How is an ambassador appointed? So first we're going to look at the ambassador's appointment. Uh, No one becomes an ambassador on his own. If you here this morning would call yourself an ambassador of Jesus Christ, know this, that you did not choose to become an ambassador. You did not instate yourself in that way. Imagine how crazy it would be for somebody just to show up in a foreign land, uh, to start to hang another flag of a foreign country, maybe one that they're not even a, a citizen of, and begin to say, I am an ambassador of such and such a place. It would be silly, it would be foolish. Why? Because no ambassador appoints himself to be an ambassador. Not in a formal sense anyway but verse 20 says therefore we are ambassadors for christ god making his appeal through us god in his kindness and his sovereignty has chosen his church christians to be ambassadors to a world who is lost and dying you might say has god appointed me If you're a Christian this morning, you are an ambassador for Christ and God desires to make his appeal through you. And so you might say, well, has God sent an ambassador from heaven? Has he sent them to my neighbor across the street? God, in fact, has sent an ambassador to your neighbor who is across the street. You might say, well, has God sent an ambassador to my, my children? Of course, he has sent one to your children. Has he sent one to your grandchildren? Absolutely. Brothers and sisters, good news. God has sent an ambassador, a heavenly representative heralding the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that is greatly needed to every single person that you know how can I say such a thing so confidently? Because God has appointed you, dear friends, as his ambassadors to your children, to our students here in Washington County, to our co-workers that we work with, both on Zoom calls and in our place of worship or work. He has sent ambassadors and we, friends, have been appointed as his ambassadors. And so there's an appointment of the ambassador. We're going to be illiber- alliterated today. There's the appointment, but there's also the agenda of the ambassador. I love the story. In the 1800s, there was a German ambassador to England, and he was named Count Munster. I love that name. That's uh, a good. That was a good TV show. Um, it's also a great name. So Count Munster, he was there serving as a German ambassador in England, and, and it was he was a very popular ambassador. As a matter of fact, um, people regularly commented on how much he looked and acted like. An Englishman how he fit in so well in England and after a while the old German emperor Wilhelm he he, he heard about this ambassador in England and, and what was being said of him and and uh, that it was actually said quite literally that he was half an Englishman and the old emperor said I don't want half an Englishman to represent me in England he said I want an altogether German you see there's an agenda that has been given to the ambassador we as Christ ambassadors to this world have been given an agenda What is that agenda? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't have the opportunity to to represent, to promote, to peddle our own ideologies and agendas, our own desires, our own vision for the world, and how things should be done. We don't get that right. We have not appointed ourselves as ambassadors. Christ has. And besides that, we have not chosen our own agenda. It has been given to us. We have a message. God is making his appeal through us to the world. And that is a privilege and that is a responsibility. What is our agenda? It is the gospel. And so we see the ambassador's appointment. Quickly we looked at his agenda. But I also want you to see his authority. I want you to see his authority. Behind an ambassador is what he represents. And that is his nation. That is its sovereign. It's all the authority and the power of that nation is represented in him. It's accredited to him in a sense. His voice in that foreign land is the voice of his Lord. He represents, he speaks for. The sovereign makes his appeal through that ambassador. He's not a private individual. He is a powerful public figure. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul wasn't going to shrink back. He wasn't going to let up. He wasn't going to be afraid. He had the utmost confidence in the gospel because of the authority behind it. He knew as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, That all the authority of Jesus Christ had been given to him and therefore he could go forth boldly, boldly with confidence knowing that the authority of God, the authority of God the Son had been given to him to share the gospel. God was desiring to make his appeal, a divine appeal through the human messenger, Paul. And the same is true for us. We also are ambassadors. We also have been appointed. We have been given an agenda, and we have the authority of God. We have the confidence of the true and living gospel. So, you see, church, if we to ask ourselves, well, who are you? Well, we wouldn't start by saying, well, this is what we do. We would start by saying, we have been reconciled to God. We are at peace with God. We are at at one with Christ, children of the living God. And therefore, he has called us to be ambassadors. And then this is what we do as ambassadors. I want you to notice something. I want you to notice the order of this statement. If you're a Christian here this morning, what I'm about to point out to you is probably the most important thing that you'll hear this morning. That's pretty heavy. But I want you to notice the order of the statement. It doesn't say... Because we are good ambassadors, we are now reconciled through Christ. It does not say, because you have done a good job representing Jesus Christ, you now can consider yourself reconciled to God through Christ. It's not what it says. That's not the main idea of this text. You are not An ambassador because you've done a good job. You're not reconciled to God because God thinks, hey, you you might be able to do a better job in 2022. 2021 was was a bit of a flop. Let's see what you can do in 2022. That's not what God is saying. Some of this text is saying, because we have been reconciled through Christ, we are now ambassadors for Christ. It's so important that you don't miss that. Especially as we consider we want to be more faithful in our role of a, as ambassadors here in 2022. Do we not? As we do desire to be more faithful, collectively unified as a church, helping people find and follow Jesus, it's important that we remember that we already have been found by Jesus. And we already are helping one another to follow Jesus. And now out of that, we are ambassadors called to help others find and follow jesus we are a people found and following jesus who are helping other people find and follow jesus that's our statement that's the big idea that's our identity we have been found and now we are helping others to find and follow quickly i want to just break down as we come to a close i want to break down this idea people helping people find and follow jesus you hear this a lot it's printed everywhere it's on the website it's on the loop What does it mean? The first people, that's the church. The first people, that's us. We want to be sure that 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 group has been found. We want to be sure that that group is following Jesus. And so we have meaningful church membership here at Hagerstown Church. At the risk of offending some, we want to draw the lines clear and say, if you don't truly know Jesus, if you're not truly following Jesus, then you're not truly a part of the church. So we draw clear lines and we say, we want to invite you in, but we want to make sure that you understand the gospel. We want to make sure that you're embracing the gospel. We want to make sure that you're protecting the gospel together as you live a holy life. So we have meaningful church membership. That's that's the first people. That's us. But who are the second people? Well, we're here in Hagerstown. And that second people that the first people is trying to help, it's the lost those who are apart from Christ. I may you know this. Thirty-some percent of, Mar- of Maryland's incarcerated are located here in Washington County. Thirty-some percent of Maryland's incarcerated are located here in Washington County in prisons. And obviously, when they get out of prison, they may uh, end up, because their family has maybe moved close by, they're also here as well, and so they may stay contributes a lot to the makeup of who we are as a city who we are as a county so when we think about who are the lost who are the people that we are trying to help find and follow jesus well it's those who are incarcerated it's those who used to be incarcerated or and and in danger of following and becoming a statistic of uh recidivism who are those second people well, they're also foreigners God's providence and kindness, he is bringing the nations to us. Walk through Aldi, walk through Walmart, you walk down the streets of our city, you'll notice that you, not everybody here looks and talks and thinks just like you. By the day, we are becoming more and more diverse culturally. So who are the, the second group of people that we as a church are, are called by God to be ambassadors and, and share this gospel with? It's those who are from other countries. Statistics are staggering to find out how few, how little hospitality is extended to those from other nations as they come and, make a, and find a home here, even in Hagerstown. Where people helping people find and follow Jesus. Who are those second people? Well, they're foreigners. It's my prayer and hope as one of your pastors that, that 2022 will find us opening our homes and setting our tables for those who are from other countries those who need this gospel and that we there uh, as we break bread at our tables that they would see this message and that God through you would make his appeal to them there in your home. I also noticed that more than half of our children in this city that they come from broken homes from single parent homes. When we think about this idea, well, who is that? If we're a people helping people find and follow Jesus, what about that second people? Who are they? Well, they are people who come from broken homes. They're children living in foster homes. They're children that need to be brought into foster homes. They're children that maybe even are considered latchkey kids or even abused by neglect. They're on your street right across the way, maybe behind your house. Maybe the kid that stole your bike. who is the second people, the people around us coming from broken homes. They need father and mother figures to step into their lives and not just be kind to them, but be ambassadors on behalf of the God who created them. God who has a message for them that he wishes to give through you, Ambassador. We could go on down the line. We could talk about the drug epidemic epidemic all those who who need the light of Christ to all those who need to hear from Christ this great gospel that sets people free from addictions we could talk about those who are locked up attracted to chasing after wealth just as much imprisoned as those who are trace, chasing after drugs or alcohol there are so many in need of the gospel even under the shadow of the steeple here in this building and we are a people ambassadors that are called to give this message to those foreigners on behalf of God he's got a message for them it's a message of reconciliation it's a beautiful thing this idea of finding and following quickly they need to be found in a sense that's evangelism That's us helping them to find Jesus, which in a sense is true, but ultimately we know that Jesus is finding them and he is choosing to find them through us. So we as ambassadors, we have to share that good news. We have to share that gospel. Follow Jesus. Helping people to find and follow Jesus. That's discipleship. We've been called to participate in that. And so who are we as a church? We're we're called to help people find Jesus and help them to follow Jesus. Evangelism and discipleship. As a church, every year we try to put together what's called a a budget or what we like to to call an investment strategy. So we look at our monies that we anticipate God giving us and bringing in through faithful giving. And we look at that and we say, well, how, God, are you intending for us to use that money to help people find and follow you? That's what we do. In every single dollar that we spend as a church, it must be spent on behalf of those two motives. Helping people find Jesus and follow Jesus. I would ask you, as we, as a church, work to develop that investment strategy, I'd ask you to consider your own investment strategy. As you enter into 2022, as you are a part of Hagerstown Church in some way, what is your personal investment strategy? Are you determining now to use your time, your talent, and your treasure to help people find and follow Jesus? You see, it's not just the church collectively. It's not just our job collectively as a church to help people find and follow Jesus, but individually, Each of us must consider how are we using our time, our talents, and our treasures to do this thing that God has called us to do. I can tell you this, as your pastor, one of them anyway, I don't intend to lead us over the next 50 years to polish stained glass in this historical building. It's not what we're going to do. New carpet and paint are wonderful. It, uh, it's a joy to, to worship with you here in this space. But we're not going to spend the next 100 years, we're not going to pass off to the next generation a beautiful building and say, this is what we've done, this is what we do. No, brothers and sisters, we are called to help people find and follow Jesus. And I look forward to participating in that work with you in this coming year. I want to ask you to, to pray with me. But as you do, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I want you to just consider your own life. Consider your own time, your own amount of talent and treasure. Are you willing to, in this new year, pour them out as a faithful ambassador for Jesus Christ? This is what He's called you to do. You've been reconciled to Him. And now He has sent you out as an ambassador for Him. Will you be faithful this year? Church, this is our promise to you as pastors. That you would do that. That we collectively would would lead you to do that. With our church's time, talents, and treasure. I pray that you would do the same on an individual level. So think about that. But I also want to address you, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, if this morning you'd come in and you'd say, I honestly, Pastor Josh, I can't honestly say that I have been reconciled to God. I would love more than nothing else to share with you about what Christ is offering. This message that he has given to me and many in this room To share with you this morning. You too can be reconciled to God through Christ. Father, I pray that you wouldn't let it be lost on us, that you, Creator God, holy and righteous, just and altogether lovely, that you would initiate reconciliation, that you would send your Son to die in our place. That's an amazing gift. That we would be able to receive such a thing. Father, we praise you and we make much of you this morning because of that. Jesus, we remember your sacrifice for us this morning. How your innocent blood was shed for us and, and now we thank you for that this morning. Because your blood was shed, we can be reconciled to God. We stand in your righteousness this morning as your church. We once were your enemies but now you've purchased peace. So Father, we pray that we would recognize that this morning, that because of Christ's sacrifice, because of your mercy, we have been reconciled to you. And would we enjoy, run out of this place as faithful, joyful ambassadors for Christ. And would we allow you in this new year, Hagerstown Church collectively, to be used to bring others to you. Father, this is our hope This is our prayer. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, the only one who is worthy.